there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Because this work is so thorough, it must be addressed in rotation. It can't all be talked about at once due to its many layers and the cycles that we go through as we work. We began and we begin with the idea that we cannot change life, but we can change our relationship to life. It reminded me of this. Yesterday, Arthur said to me, I have a question. I said, okay, what's your question? He said, why are all the news people now doing all this thing about Washington, D.C. was built on the backs of black slaves? Why are they doing that? It really annoys me. I don't like it when they do that. And I said, well, you know, I've got a better question for you. You answer the question that I give you, and then I'll answer the question you give me. Why does it annoy you? That's the better question. Because you see, it only happens the only way it can happen. People are doing what they do because they can't do anything else. Now, why does that annoy you? Well, he didn't really know, which told me it was time to start the rotation again. <laughs> and let's get back to what this is really about. So we can get a jump start here. And you know what a jump start is? Your car battery is dead or it's too low and it just won't turn it over to get it cranked so it'll go. You go and you get another pair of jumper cables and another car and another battery and you hook up their battery to your battery via the jump jumper cables and you race the engine on the other car so it's all charged up and then you try and start your car. It's called a jump start. Well, every once in a while, everybody needs a jump start. And in life, my jump starts are conscious shocks based on the work. Arthur's conscious shock based on the work is, look, this doesn't have anything to do with those people. This is your problem. You're the one annoyed. And if you're the one annoyed, you're the one with the problem. And we don't like that. We like being able to point the finger at all those other people who are doing annoying things. But you see, the problem is, is that all those other people are going to be doing annoying things forever. And after those annoying people are dead, there'll be a whole new crop of annoying people. It was like Patty and Rex's son, James, used to, he finds me annoying. He would go, uh-oh, annoying alert, annoying alert, <laughs> because he finds me annoying, because I talk about things that he doesn't want to talk about, and I point things out that he doesn't want to look at, and he doesn't want pointed out, and that's annoying to him. Well, I got news for you. If you find me annoying, you're going to find other people annoying. You're going to find other things annoying. You're going to find the weather annoying. You're going to find the heat annoying or the cold annoying. You're going to find your pains annoying. You're going to find your thoughts and your feelings annoying. You're going to find what other people do annoying. And you're going to find what other people don't do annoying. So what you're going to find is that your entire life is going to be an annoying alert. There is something that can be done about this. So we begin with this idea that we cannot change life, but we can change our relationship to life. This is called transformation. It's called being born again. It's called enlightenment. It's called liberation. It's called being set free from prison. It's called satori. It's called a lot of things in a lot of different traditions. It is not a destination, but it is a process of development. Life is seen as a recurring cycle of events that we know as life and history. History repeats itself if we do not change. So does that mean that history will stop repeating itself? No. 
History will continue to repeat itself, and you will continue to be annoyed by it, unless you change. Effective change begins with changing our attitude toward ourselves. I'd like to read a little bit of esoteric wisdom here from Luke. It's chapter 5, and I'll just read verse, two verses. No, I'll read three verses. I think, it's, I think it's good. And he was also telling them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, he will both tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled out, and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wishes for new, for he says, the old is good enough. You don't hear this talked about a lot in churches because they don't know what it means. They think it means something about this or about that. And, and that's true. It does mean something about this or about that. But it's like everything else in life. It means so much more. If you have found what something means, keep looking because it means so much more than that. Everything in life has finer and finer meanings. Our job is to find those finer and finer meanings because by finding those finer and finer meanings, we feed our finer bodies. We feed our finer instincts and our finer, more subtle parts of our being. And by doing that, we nourish them and we encourage them to grow. If you can't change yourself, you can't change the effect that life has on you. Life has an effect on you, and it has a certain effect on certain people. Some people, life affects in a certain way, and another person, life affects in a different way. Some people, something happens, they get depressed. Other people, some, the same thing happens to them, they get angry. Some people, something happens, they submit. The same thing happens to someone else, and they resist, and they get violent and fight. Life is the same. It's the person's reaction to it that is different. If a person's reaction can be different, if you can have two people with a different reaction to the same event in life, then it stands to reason that it's possible for you to change because you can't change the event in life. But it is possible for you to change how you react to the event in life and react more or less like the other person, more or less like you usually do. And when I say you usually do, I mean we usually do. We usually react the same way without thinking, mechanically, automatically, unconsciously, without awareness, without presence. We simply react. And most of the time, we don't even know we did. If you stay the same, life will stay the same. How is life? Is it pretty good? Good, then stay the same. How is life? Is it pretty good? No? Then change. And you see, the, th the people who think that life is pretty good, they don't have a clue what life is really about. Because life is not pretty good. Life on this planet sucks. They don't call this a pain factory because it's pretty good. If life is pretty good, there's only one reason for that. It's because you're learning something. And if life isn't so good, there's only one reason for that. You've forgotten something. I know you've learned it because you're here. So you've forgotten it. So it's time to remember it. So what is that that you need to remember? Well, you need to remember your work self. You need to remember why you're here. It's why I read to you the last hour of life this morning. Because we need to remember. And the best way to remember is to remember on schedule, hourly. If you are awake 18 hours a day, then try to remember 10 of those hours. 10 of the 18 hours, try to remember that this could be your last hour. That the last hour could have been your last hour. Review it and see what you could improve in this hour. And then improve it. Or make an aim to improve it. And make an effort to improve it. Maybe in your last hour, you noticed you were only awake for a moment. Be awake for a couple of moments and increase those moments. Only if people behave differently can history stop repeating. If this seems odd to you, that the only way to change the world is to change your behavior and your attitude toward it, then this work is not for you. You should go on and do something else.
go be happy in life, go do something else, or go be miserable in life, go do something else. But if you're going to spend all your time trying to change the world, this is the wrong way to go. Because this is not about that. This is not about changing the world. And the world may inadvertently change due to your conscious efforts. But that's not why we work. We work to change ourselves. If the world happens to change, that's the world's business. Let it do what it wants. Self-change begins with self-observation. Slowly drawing into consciousness of yourself that which belongs to your being that which belongs to your being, of which you are unaware. But I'm aware of everything about my being. It's my being. No, you're not. And you're only going to find that out through self-observation. Now, you may get a jump start every once in a while. Somebody may come along and drop a hint for you. Someone may come along and hit you in the head with a two-by-four and get your attention. It may be life. It may be an auto accident. It may be a bird flying above and dropping an acorn on your head. It could be a lot of things. The important thing is, is that if you wait for the jump start, you may never get it. If you make the decision to begin to know yourself better, that's always a much more sure way of doing it. When we do this, we slowly draw into our consciousness of ourself the things that belong to our being, those things of which we are unaware. This changes our idea of ourself. Think just for a moment about the things that you have found out about yourself over the years in this work the things that you have observed about yourself, that you had no clue were there. You thought you were this wonderful person. You thought you were this generous, kind, loving, wonderful person. And you had an excuse for every kind of foul behavior that you had. You either had an excuse for it or were so stuffed away in the dark that you didn't even know you had the behavior. It wasn't until you saw a video of yourself and then you, oh my gosh, I didn't know I picked my nose like that. Oh no, I hope he doesn't do that. Oh no. It's those things when we find out about ourselves. That's when we have to make a decision about this work. We either stick with it or we leave it. We either follow it through. We go through the suffering of finding out what we really are. We consciously walk through that. It's very much like, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And we find that we are evil, that the evil that we need to fear is in us. And that we don't really need to fear it if we can learn to bring the light to it, to see it, to allow the light to heal us, to purify us, to cleanse us of our impurities. We change, first of all, our idea of ourself. We have to become in this work so conscious of ourselves that we're conscious of which I is speaking. We can notice what it's saying and not identify with it. People like to judge other people based on their behavior. It's a big mistake to do that. Unfortunately, we do that. We judge other people on their behavior. That means that we judge ourselves on our own behavior. Well, then, if our behavior isn't right, then what we have to do is stop it. And as soon as you stop your behavior, you can no longer see it. People think they're doing so much good. They talk too much, so they just decide, well, I'll stop talking. They get in trouble every time they open their mouth, so they decide to keep their mouth shut. Brilliant. Now you get to keep it forever. You never get to see it again. You never get to find out what was causing it. You never get to work on it. You never get to know yourself because now you have locked that part of yourself away where no one gets to see it, where you don't even get to see it. This is not wise. This is simply a reaction. And it's a swing of the pendulum. When we react, we knee-jerk to the other side of the pendulum. Inner separation is difficult because we're most asleep when we talk. When we're in action is the time we're, we're most asleep. Talking is an action, and it's an action we do a lot. We are most asleep when we are in action. We are most asleep when we're talking. We can be conscious of the most mechanical action. doesn't mean you have to stop the most mechanical action. 
In the beginning, you don't want to stop it at all. You want to give it free reign. You want to let it act. You want to let it talk so that you can observe it, so that you can learn what it's saying, so you can learn its lines, so that you can study the actor, so that you can study the player, so that you can study the role. If you were an actor and you were the stand-in for the main actor, you know, they have stage productions and if the actor gets sick, the main person gets sick, then they have a stand-in who can go right in. But he has to know every line He has to know every mark on the stage. He has to know the timing. He has to know everything that the actor knows, even though he's not up there doing it. He's got to study the part, study the actor, study the show, study how it relates, how that actor relates to everything else, every chair, every book, every piece of furniture, every other actor. He's got to know it all. But he's not going to be on the stage, or he may be on the stage. He has to be ready. And this is what this work is like for us. You have to know all of these roles. So you stop one. You cancel that guy's part. You stop that. Now you don't know that role. You'll never learn that role now because you've been brilliant and protected yourself. You've saved your life. You've stopped talking. You've stopped doing that. So now you've saved your life. And we know that anyone who tries to save his life loses it. We can observe it while it's going on. We can't observe it when it's not going on. It can be done if we observe ourselves without criticism. Criticism stops it. And we learn nothing further. The problem is not your action. The problem is your criticism of your action. The problem is not how other people react to your action. Other people don't like that. Other people get mad at me. Other people call me names. Other people do this. Other people do that. This life is not about other people. This is your life. They are their own problem. It has nothing whatever to do with you. I realized this this morning in a big way. I started last night to realize that what other people thought about me, what other people feel about me, what other people do about me, has nothing whatever to do with me. Literally nothing. It is only about them. The only thing that is about me is what I do and what I say and what I think and what I feel. And that's my work. And what they think about what I do and say and feel and whatever else, that's their work. And if they're dumb enough to make their work everybody else's, that's their problem. This is perhaps the greatest mistake people make in the beginning in this work. They put the cart before the horse We've got to observe, not stop. Oh, it's unpleasant to have unpleasant manifestations. Who doesn't have unpleasant manifestations? Well, I'll tell you who. The people who have stopped having unpleasant manifestations. What do they have instead? They just have unpleasant negative eyes that are locked away where no one can see them or that only come out when they have absolutely no control whatsoever. The energy is charging, charging, charging all the time. Bam! Some little thing triggers it and they go off, and they can't do anything about it. Why? Because they stopped it all the times they should have been observing it. This is why we don't work for results. When you work for results, you stop things. If you don't work for results, if you just work for light, just work for the light. Just work to let the light in. You're a worker of the light. You just are here to let the light in. That's all you have to do. You only have to let the light in. You don't have to judge. You don't have to criticize. You don't have to stop. You don't have to do. You just need to let the light in. That's all you have to do. Just let the light in. And now, once you know that, everything in you will come up against that. And then you just let the light in. You just shed the light on that. How do you shed the light on that? You look at it. You see it. And you don't criticize it. You uncritically allow the light to fall on it. Just the same way that sunlight falls on trees and leaves and the earth. It just falls on it. You don't have to do anything about it. Just allow it. Don't get in the light's way because that makes shadows. And you can't see in the shadows as well as you can see in the light. 
This work is about seeing what's so, not about changing. The change will happen, but it will not be your doing. It will be the doing of the light. What you will do is get out of the light's way so you don't cast a shadow on yourself and allow the light to do its work. You can't see what you stop. Seeing is more important than stopping. Now, if you're so full of pride and vanity that stopping is more important than seeing, maybe this work isn't for you. Maybe you should have a career in politics or Hollywood where what people think of you is the most important thing and your face time is what you're always working for and your reputation and your prestige is the most important thing. If you feel that way, then admit it to yourself and go there. Go into politics, go to Hollywood, go somewhere where you can preen and build that or get down to business. Make up your mind. How long will you go halting along with two separate opinions? If this work is the way, then walk in it. If it's not, then walk in the other way. Realization of our mechanicalness is one of the first experiences of self-remembering. When we realize that we do things automatically, that we do things unconsciously, that is a moment of self-remembering. Self-change is impossible if we can be only what we are. I am as God made me. Well, that's true, but God made you a self-developing organism, not develop. No, I can't develop because I am as God made me. Then this work isn't for you. I said it right from the beginning. If this whole idea of you changing yourself instead of trying to change light, that life seems extraordinary to you, seems odd to you, then this work isn't for you. Go on and do something else. Go to church or go do yoga or go play in the stock market or whatever. Whatever people do, go do that because you're wasting your time. Unless, of course, there is something in you that won't allow you to leave. And that's possible too. There are times that people are hooked by their magnetic center when everything inside of them is screaming, get out of here, get out of here. And if you're hooked, you're hooked. I would say in my own way, thank God, because you're one of the fortunate ones. You're one of the blessed. But if you're not hooked and you can be shaken loose, if you're not hooked and you can be shook loose, then go. This isn't for you, at least not now. Esotericism teaches we are at the beginning of ourselves. Life teaches us we're at the end of ourselves. Life teaches us we're already fully conscious. Western psychology teaches us we're already fully conscious. We just have these problems. But esotericism says, oh no, oh no, that's not true. You're just a seed and that seed needs to develop. There's a rope of consciousness. We seek to climb higher to the state of self-remembering, self-consciousness, self-awareness. That's why we're here. There is a rope hanging just above us. It's the rope of consciousness. We have to reach up out of this unconscious state that we're in, out of this mechanical, unaware, sleepy state where everything is a dream, to grab hold of that rope and to pull ourselves up into a state of self-remembering, into a state of self-consciousness, into a state of self-awareness. As we climb higher, everything changes. It's not like a three-dimensional thing where you just you change your position. No, everything changes. Your being changes, your view changes, how things happen to you, how things feel to you, how things look to you. Everything changes. It's much deeper than just a positional change. It's much more profound than that. Everything false in us can make us fall back down in an instant. How many times have you reached sublime states of consciousness only to have some stupid thing drag you right back down to where you were before or lower? You can't climb the rope while clinging to false notions and values that belong to lower levels. You can only go so far if you're shackled to something on the ground that will not go up with you. You can only climb as far as the anchor will allow you. You've got to be willing to let go of it. You've got to be willing to cut yourself free from it. I think it's always good exercise to see what things you are not willing to let go. 
in truth, not usual lies, not the lies we usually tell ourselves, but in truth, when you sincerely sit down and look at things and say, I am not willing to let go of this, I'm not willing to give this up, it's a good idea to have a list of things you're not willing to give up. And then it's a darned good idea to work on that list and make it get smaller and smaller every week, every day. Work on something on that list and be willing and finally able to give it up. Once you've given it up, you can do whatever you want to do. Now, if you give it up so that you can return to it, then you're a liar. And if you're a liar, it's false. And if it's false, it will keep you from climbing the rope. What you think you want belongs to what you think you are. It really amazes me. People who do what they want astound me. How could you possibly know what you want? You don't know what you are. You can't know what you want if you don't know what you are. The people who I find the most refreshing are the ones who don't know what they want because they don't know what they are. They're finding out through this work that they don't know what they are, that what they want always brings them the same thing over and over again, and then when they had it, have it, they don't want it. So they're beginning to realize that either I am not what I thought I was, so therefore I don't know what I want. Good. That's the beginning place. That's where we've scratched down and found the foundation. That's where we've cleared away all the dust and the debris, and we've actually found the foundation. That's where we start to build. If you don't know what you are, you don't know what you want, well then what should I do? That is when you begin to build with the work. That is when you begin to allow the work to stand up for you and to guide you and to direct you into what to want. But I don't want that. That's right. The I that's speaking doesn't want that, but that I that's speaking isn't you. So like I say, if you can't stop wanting what you think you want, you can't climb the rope. Because what you think you want belongs to what you think you are. When you know better what you are, you will know better what that you wants. Remember, self-remembering is about remembering a self we don't know. So in the beginning, what we remember is the self that we're remembering isn't us. In the beginning, self-remembering is you see yourself acting mechanically and you say, that's not me. Well, what is you? I don't know, but that's not it. And what we get to do, and this is now, now this will make sense. Everything is false personality. Now find what isn't. Well, we can't find what isn't until we identify what is. And as we begin to identify what is, then somehow, miraculously, we start to move into what we actually are. And it's called transformation, change of being, being born again. As we see what we are and what we could become, then we begin to develop a sense of value and scale. Your sense of value and scale when you start is absurd. It's worthless, almost worthless. It's a very small scale. And the values are, if the earth were made of gold, a man would die for a handful of dirt. Our values are all whacked out because we don't know how to value because we don't know what is valuable. And we don't know what is valuable because we don't know what we are. If you're a fish, then water is valuable. If you're a land tortoise, then water is not that great for you. You just need a little bit. But if you're fish, you have to live in it in order to breathe. You've got to swim in it in order to breathe, in order to live. Everything for you is in the water. But if you don't know what you are, how can you know what you want? How can you know what's valuable for you? And the answer again is, esotericism can tell you. It can stand in for you. It can put training wheels on you until you get there, until you can stand up on your own. Here's the great thing about us. We can be taught. Do you see how beautiful that is? We can be taught. You can learn, which means you don't have to be the way you are. You can learn. We can be taught. It is possible. It's not very likely, given all of the defenses we have set up against being who we actually are and what we actually are. But it is possible. This assures that we can have new feelings and new insights. 
If we can have new feelings and new insights, we can have a new way of thinking. If we can have a new way of thinking, we can have new attitudes. If we can have new attitudes, we can have new values and new meanings. True, some can't even be taught, so I will give you that. Some people cannot even be taught. They're convinced they're right and that they know. They can't see their minute knowledge compared with the vastness of their ignorance. But hopefully, you're not one of those people. Hopefully, you can see how ignorant you are. Hopefully, you're getting a taste or a sniff, a whiff. You can smell it on the air. Wave your hand in front of your face like this and waft the air into your... Now smell that. Do you smell your nothingness? Because the truth is, we are nothing. We are like the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the fireplace. This life that we live is a breath. It's a whisper. It's a... And it's gone. How old is the earth? You haven't been alive for a blink in earth time. What about solar system time? Less than a blink. What about universe time? (laughs) Our ignorance is so huge compared to what we know that people who think they know can't be taught. All knowledge leads to mystery. The more you know, the more you have to have mystery. The more you find out, the more you realize how little you know and the more life is a mystery. Life is a wonder. It's like, wow, I don't even know how I do that. I don't even know how I digest a pickle. And pickles almost digest themselves with all the good bacteria they've got. You know, yet I, I do it somehow, but I don't know how. I don't even know how I move my hands, but I can move them, but I don't know how. I don't know how thoughts move in my mind. I don't know how these words come out. I don't know how this happens. Every time that I do this, I am in awe of what comes out of my mouth. Where did that come from? How do you know that? Where did did that come from? If you are not looking at what's coming out of your mouth with wonder, then start looking at what's coming out of your mouth with wonder and delight. And if you can't look at it with wonder and delight, then look and see where it's coming from (laughs) because it's coming from a little eye or small parts of centers, little mechanical parts of centers that you don't really want using your mouth a lot. But watch them and see what they do. Don't take my word for it. We must realize our mechanicalness and ignorance before we have the hope of transformation. That knowledge weakens acquired personalities hold. In its grip, no transformation is possible for us. The people who know, transformation is not possible. The people who know their ignorance, transformation is possible. Such a simple thing. You can know and be transformed, or you can know and have no possibility of transformation. It's just a matter of what you know. We must have a new ground of being so a new, deeper thinking can begin in us. We can keep putting patches on the tire for a long time, stopping the leaks, but eventually we're going to have to have a whole new ground of being. Eventually, we're going to have to have a major shift, a polar shift in ourselves where we establish a new ground of being, where we really don't want what is not valuable. It's not just we're working against what wants what is not valuable in us. Where you're not asked to give something up, you're delighted to throw it away. The list of things that you are not willing to give up now, that list then becomes the thing that you are number one things that you want to throw out. Not only do you not want to keep them, you want to get rid of them. That's a major shift in your ground of being. That needs to happen. It could happen this year. Everything's perfect for it. The world is perfect. It's being squeezed right now. And it could produce fruit. The heat, the pressure, the rub, everything that's going on now could produce in you something of great value. It's up to you. It's not up to the world. It's not up to the events. Some people are doing just the opposite of what they need to be doing. It's up to you. Change the mind and attitudes change. 
Most of us have pictures of our reasonableness. Most of us find ourselves reasonable, find our requests of other people reasonable, find our requirements of other people reasonable. You find your requirements of your children reasonable. You find your requirements of life reasonable. It takes self-observation to gain self-facts that show us what we're really like. If you think you're reasonable, that's the first place to start. Start to find out how you're unreasonable. I got a letter once from a guy in Italy, and he said his father said this, and his mother said that, and he was having all these problems, or his wife said this, and his father said that, and he was having all these problems with them. He said, what should I do? And I said, apologize to your father for being such an unreasonable, difficult son. I didn't know any more than just this little bit. But that is exactly what he needed to do. And the amazing thing is, is that he did it, and everything changed, because he changed his ground of being. When we increase our consciousness, we change our being. It may be small, but it's a change, and one thing leads to another. When you see one thing differently, you will see the things that are connected to it differently. We take events the same way. We react mechanically, automatically, because we can't see that we can't change the event in life, but we can alter how we react to it. That's why. When we take things mechanically, when we react in the same way to everything, it's because we cannot see that we can't change life. When you react with any kind of irritation, violence, dissatisfaction, you are not aware of the fact that you cannot change life. You are still trying to change life. You're still trying to change another person. You're still trying to make something the way you think it should be. When the truth is, the only thing that you can possibly make be the way it should be is yourself. And the only way you can do that is to stop being yourself and to start being who you actually are and what you actually are. And that's a long process. It's not going to happen overnight. If you can see something, then you have something of great value. If you can see, you have something of great value. If you can't see, what have you got? If you cannot see yourself, what have you got? You've got nothing. But if you can see your unreasonableness, if you can see your requirements, if you can see your faulty thoughts and feelings, if you can see your demands and your obnoxious behavior and your self-love, if you can get some self-facts, you have something of great value. That is a pearl of great price. We're so glued to the ordinary, we tend to resent the idea of taking things differently. Someone comes along and they say, well, I think you ought to change your diet, or maybe you ought to change your hair. I think you ought to change your... We resent it. We're so glued to how we think things ought to be, we resent it. Think of that. Think of the insanity of that. Don't think about it too long. I don't want you to get lost in that. Matthew eleven sixteen. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. The work hurts our feelings. I hurt your feelings regularly. Yeah, it's Arthur. I can see you rolling your eyes like grandma. Yeah. Oh, I do know. The work hurts our feelings. If you could start your day with delight and wonder, you'd begin to understand more. But we don't. We pick up our today self from our yesterday self, making it absolutely impossible to transform anything. You pick up your today self from your yesterday self, you have just ensured that history will repeat itself. If you don't look at this day as a new day, if you don't look at yourself as a new creation in this moment with new possibilities, you will be dragging the dead corpse of yesterday, you, yesterday, the dead you of yesterday, into today. And that is a tragedy. And that is the tragedy of human existence. And it's not demanded of you. It's not required of you. You do not have to do that. That's what makes it such a tragedy. You drag your old, hurts your old, debts your old, pain your old, thoughts your old, crap from yesterday, and you bury the child that is born today in that filth. And we call that living. So what I say is you can't put new wine into old wineskins. 
You can't put this day into yesterday. You can't put the freshness, the delight, the wonder of this moment into the last moment because it will burst the skins. You'll ruin the moment and you'll ruin yesterday. You'll ruin everything. No, take the new wine and put it in fresh new skins, new attitudes, new thoughts, new attitudes, new you, a fresh, wonderful, delightful start from right now, a clean slate right now. Begin again. Let the light in. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.